Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am your co-host, John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you live from the Quandle Studio right here in good old central Pennsylvania. Joined as always by fellow co-host, Chris Martin. Chris, how are we doing today, sir? Hey, John. How are you? And I must say the Quandle Construction Studio is beautiful these days. I must say it. It is gorgeous. Thank you. And uh, I, I, <laughs> I have to believe it was a dining room just a year ago. No. <laughs> You've taken complete control. Yes. yes. But uh, I, don't, I really don't know where I was going with that. So uh, hi, everyone. This is Chris Martin, and I am uh, president of Atlas Marketing. And you can visit us at atlasstories.com to see how we tell stories for people who build things. And we really like our guests today. Really cool guy, fellow Star Wars fan, and yeah, as he's looking around, who me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and John, are, John, are you okay if I introduce our guest? Yeah, go for it. Go, All right, good. Go. Well, everyone, meet Rich Barkaski, the executive director of the Constructors Association of Western Pennsylvania, Yay. affectionately known as CAWP. Hey, Rich. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us. I'm glad to be on. I've uh, listened to probably all of your shows, so I was very appreciative that you asked me to be part of it. So, super fan, first time caller, nice, my <laughs> listener. Someone, someone wants some podcast swag after yes. after the interview. Yes. <laughs> yes, I like it. I like it. The super fan yeah. is pretty impressive, by the way. Thank you. Yeah. Nice. It is cool having having Rich on the show. It takes me back to my Pittsburgh days. Once a month, I had the honor of sitting next next to Rich during the CLC, the Construction Legislative Council meetings. I think I laughed more than I listened during these meetings because <laughs> Rich is one funny guy. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. Thank you is. for the the great memories. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, when I retire, people will tell stories about how I would text them during meetings. Yes. And say something funny because <laughs> I do believe that sometimes we take ourselves a little too serious, and we need a little bit of uh, levity, especially when you're talking about legislative things. Yes. Amen. <laughs> and I support that 100. percent Rich is Rich is one of those guys that makes makes it fun to work in this industry. And uh, so thanks for joining us today. But today we're not going to snooze you and put you to sleep with legislation. Um, we're going to talk uh, all that things comes later. They have, <laughs> yes, that comes later. <laughs> that's on the second interview. <laughs> no, but TAWP uh, does a great job uh, when it comes to highway, highway transportation work. And you guys are out there on the front lines helping workers, you know, recruitment. Uh, on the mental health side, on recruitment side, on safety side. There's just so many things to pin down one one topic. So we're just going to try and group it all together and just have a great conversation and see where it takes us. Yeah. So why don't we start off by just saying who is CAWP for those for that one listener that doesn't know who you are. It's, the biggest it's caller. Cool. They wanted to ask. Yeah. That, was, that was the call. To yes. What is CAWP? Right. That one person. Uh, I think it was my mom. But um, you might be the only one listening. No, but Constructors Association of Western PA. Uh, we're a trade association of highway contractors, 
heavy construction, so locks, dams, runways. All our contractors are union uh, contractors. We cover half of Pennsylvania, the western half. We provide labor relations services, safety services, and uh, obviously, you know, a big topic for the last probably decade is is we've gotten a little more into it. We've always been into it, but it just hit it a little harder is the workforce development aspect, trying to encourage people, especially young people to go into careers, whether it's the trades or just really truthfully anything in construction, estimating, safety, uh, project management, those types of things. And it's funny because, you know, from, from our work with not only contractors, but Admittedly, with CAWP, you know, that workforce development effort is, is an ongoing effort, I know. But it seems like every time we talk about it, it's almost like we always come to the same conclusion, which is this is a no-brainer. Why wouldn't anyone that is interested in, in, in the industry, why wouldn't they get involved? And, and it, it's just it's that ongoing question of, hey, if you're out there, we can find your work, that's for sure. So uh, kudos to you and, and your team up in uh, up in Warrendale and Cranberry, I should say, not Warrendale, that are um, that are doing that. And CAWP was really uh, pioneering and cutting edge when it comes to workforce development. I, I believe what about ten years ago, you guys started launching apps, workforce development apps, and getting yes, yeah. You want to touch on that? Sure. We have a workforce platform called we call it futurerobuilders.com, and as part of that. It's part career awareness into what a carpenter, laborer, operating engineer does on a highway construction project. And then surrounding that, we have what we call the skill arcade. And the skill arcade are what we call mini games, if you will. They're all app-based, free to download on Apple and on other platforms. But basically, they introduce people into certain aspects like operating a dozer, operating uh, an excavator, tying rebar, finishing concrete, those types of things, just to get people to kind of expose them to that there are these careers. And then if they're interested, then we lead them um, on to either, you know, an apprenticeship program with one of the trades or maybe even direct entry, you know, into the construction, depending on on their experience. So it's really a soup to nuts. And probably the biggest part of that is just, as you said, Chris, it, it, it's a no brainer, but sometimes you just have to show people what the opportunities are. Uh, we certainly have come a long way where it used to be when I started, you know, you had to go pick up an application for the apprenticeship programs. Now everything, mostly everything's online. You have to adapt with the time. So that's where we looked at and said, how do we how do we help that pipeline, prime that pipeline, if you will, of, of future uh, workers and, and, and tell that story? So, But I, I think you, you still have the difficulty with, I always tell the story when I go into my uh, kids' high school, there's a big map of the United States and it has, you know, pins in it where everybody's going to college. I have noticed over the past probably three or four years, the military was on there, which I think is great. And now there's a lot more with, you know, trade schools and and apprenticeship programs. So I think we're, we've turned the corner on that, that, that college is, is is certainly, certainly a a viable option, but it's only one of those options. And, you know, if you, if you're looking for a career where you can start earning and learning right away, 
it, certainly construction has that that uh, potential for sure. Yeah, and and I agree with you too. Starting to you know just from from my daughter's you know in her graduating class, there's more kids that are going to the trade schools and getting involved in that way. But I know one of the other things that that CAWP is really focused on is is like the highway safety. So can you talk a little bit about what what CAWP is doing for that, and and also what that impact is for your members as well? Sure. And about two week, two or three weeks ago, we actually there was a accident accident on one of our members projects they uh obviously with highway construction you do a lot of the work at this time of year when the weather is good and then there's also the effort not to inconvenience the public so PennDOT um and the turnpike do more and more night work so that's something that is a is a priority of making sure our contractors and their workers out there are safe working at night and about two or three weeks ago there was an incident on a bridge where someone bypassed all the signs and barriers and and uh almost took out a whole crew who were pouring concrete on a bridge probably about 1 30 at night did in fact injure a PennDOT inspector and you know we quickly helped with PennDOT district 11 here in, in western PA to, to remind the public that you know we provide our our workers with hard hats and safety vests and eyewear and all kinds of personal protective equipment but um, nothing can can uh, protect them from a car that drives into the work zone. So that that's extremely uh, that's something that we hit every April. Talk about highway construction uh, safety, work zone uh, work zone safety. Because if you think about it, if you're sitting in your office and suddenly a car comes through, that's that's how it is to work, and especially at nighttime and things like that. Yeah, and and, and I think you you know the. You can do all you want to talk about with hard hats and, like you said, PPE and those type of things. But the reality of it is, is if people aren't paying attention to, to those signs and what they are, I mean, there's a reason for that, right? Another thing here, too, that I know that, Rich, you and I have spoken about a lot is the, the idea, you know, the, the benefit of detours, you know, and, and how does that impact not only the safety of the crew, but also the, the improvement of the roadway. Not that I want to get away from the safety aspect, but it's just something as you were talking, you know, popped in my head. So I wanted to bring that up. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that too? Sure. I think, you know, especially Western PA and the geography with the rivers and the hills and things like that, that, that presents a, a challenge. But I think what, what also, if you were going to do it and do it right and do it quickly, you probably would, you know, shut down roadways or do more detours and things like that. But the public speaks and complains about that. So what you have is contractors that are out there that are, you know, trying to work in one lane while people are uh, cruising through the other lane within, you know, five, six feet of workers doing well over the speed limit or, um maybe eating or looking at their phone or texting and things like that. And um, it really, during COVID and then after COVID, really has seen quite an uptick in accidents. There's always been, you know, accidents and issues in work zones, but it really has dramatically increased in the last uh, two years. I don't, I, I guess we always blame everything on COVID, but that's kind of been there, done that. We won't beat that horse dead, but it does seem like people are more distracted and I think from from that standpoint, that makes it that much harder to repair the infrastructure that needs repair. And that's why we try to remind people that 
you know, those, those barriers, those signs. One of the things we pushed was for the automated work zone cameras in the work zone, which didn't make us very popular, especially if you get a, uh, a fine in the mail. Uh, first time's free, though, if, if you get a speeding ticket in the work zone, but the second one uh, and third one add up. There you go. But, you know, really studies have shown that that's really the only way that you can impact that behavior is to somehow make it, you know, people realize that that uh, you if it's 55, you know, usually in a work zone, they'll put it down to 45 they give you an allowance of 11 miles over the speed limit, which you think about that, you know, we're talking 56 miles per hour. And I don't know about you, but I challenge everyone, go through a work zone the next time and do exactly the posted speed limit of that work zone. See how many friends you make, the people behind you, the trucks, the people yelling, screaming, uh, laying on the horn. And all you're doing is following what you're supposed to be doing. And there's people going past you, you know, 70, 80 miles per hour. They're waving with, with only one finger up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That one finger wave, there's, there's quite a bit of that. Yeah. And certainly I would never want to, uh, that would be ironic if I were to get a ticket for that, which, so I do do uh, slow down <clears throat> and I can tell you that you do get those types of waves and other gestures that yes. aren't so nice, but yeah. The gestures, the people that gesture, I don't think they quite understand. That's that's someone's brother, that's someone's sister, that's someone's relative, with you know five feet away, you know, as you're driving right. seventy miles per hour. So, and I and I think the other important thing to to think about in that scenario too is that when somebody does enter into the work zone, I mean it's horrific, but most of the time the accidents that are in the work zone are impacting the traveling public. So. Majority of the time, it's not just about protecting the worker. It's about protecting the driver because because there's construction going on there. There's limited berms. There's not a lot of uh, chance to stop and things like that. So it's not just protecting the workers. But I think, you know, bringing that back around to workforce development, I know that talking to the contractor who had that crew of 10 people, having a conversation with them, eight of that crew said, you know, I don't think I want to work at night anymore. It's just too dangerous. People are impaired, things like that. And you think and say, okay, well, if the public doesn't want to be inconvenienced. What do you do? You go back to, to working during the day um, where it's still dangerous, but somewhat safer. Yeah. Keeping the, the workers safe is uh, paramount and very important. Is it? Does that tie into, uh, I'm hearing rumblings about CAWP cares is that is that related to keeping workers safe? And, yes. Okay. Yeah. So uh, CAWP cares program will be launching in um, the next uh, the next few days. It's it's imminent launch uh, on that, and basically that is an initiative that that we're promoting that just recognizes the hard work of the men and women who are out there on the roadways working. Uh, obviously, like right now today, it's it's going to go over ninety degrees, so that's not the uh, the best environment to be working in. Um, so what we want to do is just recognize our members and their workers uh, by providing them with a bag, which would have things like a cooling towel, safety glasses. We have a, a clip for when they are wearing work gloves. They'll be able to clip it to their belt. And then other things like bug spray, suntan lotion, uh, all those types of things that, you know, that we don't realize that impact people who are working outside on a daily basis. 
What I really like about that program is it's exactly like you just said. You you don't realize working out in the sun all day that I would have never even thought to put sunscreen on. Something just as simple as sunscreen is is protecting somebody from from any any issues and that helps them continue to do their job safely so it's it i i, I love this program i think it's a, it's a great thing and it, it really kind of helps to raise awareness of what is what's available to protect workers and it, and it's you know it's it's minimal but we we feel like it's important you know if we could we probably would order a bunch of bubbles to keep them safe when they're out there working uh, the, the cars would bounce off but uh we can't do that, so we're gonna we're gonna try to recognize them in other ways. Yeah, and and it's fun too because the the aspect of uh, of just raise just like you were saying, you know, people speeding through a, a work zone I, outside of our development. And Rich, you know what I'm talking about because if I recall, you grew up there. The on the road going down our hill today, yesterday, and today, and I think tomorrow there's crews and. Walking through the neighborhood last night, I heard some people complain that, you know, it took us 15 minutes to get out of the neighborhood. And I'm thinking to myself, like, yes, but 15 minute of inconvenience means you're going to have less potholes and a better sewage system and, and all of these things. And I think a lot of people don't think about it that way. And I think that's where the CARES program can kind of help is just to kind of raise awareness of, yeah, there might be somebody there standing holding a sign, but the reality of it is, is they still need protection in a variety of different ways. And it's not just a hard hat and a pair of gloves. It's other elements that, that really takes it a little bit further. So yeah, kudos to you and your team for that. Yeah. You think maybe if a bridge fell down, people would start to, Oh wait, no, that did happen. <laughs> Never mind. But, we didn't want to bring that up. You, but, you, you know. uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, but here's a good idea too, with, with the infrastructure, the way it is, we should um, have a gas tax holiday because the gas tax holiday, gas, uh, people don't realize that either, that roads and bridges are mostly uh, paid for by a tax on uh, or what we refer to as a user fee uh, at the pump. So it doesn't really make a lot of sense that, you know, in February, a bridge falls down and then here we are in June talking about a gas tax holiday, which certainly... I mean, it may, may not. Studies are different on that, whether it really would impact the price of, of fuel. But certainly the money, the revenue that's going to be lost to go to impact the infrastructure. I mean, we're in a, uh, a vicious cycle, if you will, of understanding how things work and that that is a temporary inconvenience for a permanent solution. And, and, you know, you brought up the infrastructure. And unfortunately, you know, how many bridges do we have to see collapse? before more of an effort is, is coming. But we also know that there is very significant infrastructure bill just waiting to be let. And what do you anticipate is that is going to have that impact? Or I should say, what do you anticipate will be the impact of that when it is available, specifically for your members? The infrastructure bill that was passed in, in the fall of 2021, so last November, um, it, it is a significant it's it's probably up there with uh, in the fifties with the uh, interstate program in the Eisenhower administration. It is a significant funding improvement plan for all infrastructure across the United States, um, Pennsylvania particularly because of the fact that we're a Keystone state and we get a lot of cross traffic uh, with trucks and things like that. Uh, is getting a significant portion of that funding. 
So I think um, last I checked, you know, roads, uh, an additional 11.3 billion, bridges, 1.6 billion. There's even some, uh, based on need, Pennsylvania does have the second most structurally deficient bridges, second only to Iowa, which I still scratch my head about Iowa, because if you think of Iowa, I think of flat. You need bridges over the cornfields. <laughs> exactly. I guess maybe that's what they're doing. I'm not. I'm not sure. We're the city of bridges, but they're they're the state of of bridges. I guess I don't know. But um, so there's significant funding uh, for all those. That's the good, and with the good always becomes a little bit of the bad. And the bad is, you know, number one, the workforce. How do we get the workforce to be able to do that? I think uh, one thing that that impacted us was everywhere in the country. Uh, highway construction during the COVID shutdown was was uh, signified as being critical and work stayed. And in fact, in places like Florida, they actually accelerated the work because there was less people on the roads. Um, in Pennsylvania, we chose the route of shutting it down for a number of months. That's impacted the workforce because, you know, why work in an industry you think is critical that's not critical? And then in fact, the fact of, you know, the excitement in November of all the additional funding, and then inflation and the price of various products, you can almost, uh, I think it was Ross Perot that said, uh, when he mentioned things, the great sucking sound, I, I feel like I I hear that sound at night of the funding being sucked away by by inflation. So, you know, those, yes, it, it, it's a positive uh, thing. And yes, it's going to go a long way to improving our infrastructure across the country, not only in Pennsylvania. But, you know, one of the things I like to say is you got you got to think about infrastructure like you think about your house. You um, there's probably 15 or 20 things you'd love to do, but there are certain things that are priorities. You know, you don't you don't put in a new kitchen if your roof's leaking. So a lot of this funding is going to to fix things, um, not necessarily in any stretch expanding on things or making think making people get from point A to might be quicker, but we have a lot of infrastructure in this area and it's older infrastructure and decisions have to be made just like at your home on what to, uh, what to fix first. And, and obviously with the number of bridges and the condition of the bridges, that becomes, because when that fails, that, that makes the news. Um, but if you think about it, like you said, the potholes, you know, the people, I don't know about you, but driving around, you, the number of people that cross the center line because they're either distracted or something like that. We had friends that were actually in a pretty bad accident because somebody crossed the center line and hit them head on. Those all can factor in on, on you know, the surface and how it's prepared and, and things. People swerving because of potholes, that type of thing. It all, it all plays a role. For sure. So let me try and tie this together here. So we have a workforce challenge, you know, we have current work that it's tough manning and, and, you know, getting the workforce for these projects. Now we're going to pump in a trillion dollars or all this money we're going to pump in to help our roads and bridges. That's going to put more of a stress and challenge on the workforce. Are there, are there mental health concerns as far as stretching people too thin and, you know, putting too much pressure on, on the workforce and how are you guys anticipating this and what are you doing to help out? And, yeah, so I think that definitely is is a concern. I think it it's interesting just with, you know, you think about some people who have returned to work, some people that are still doing kind of a 
work from home kind of kind of thing. I don't know about you, but that the most stressful thing uh, during the pandemic was working from home. Uh, <laughs> I, I found that to be the case. I love my family, but I don't want to be spent being their IT guru when I'm not all that great at IT anyway. <laughs> so, you know, getting back into the swing of things, I think, uh, creates a, a, a mental health component. Um, that is something that just we are a chapter of the Associated General Contractors of America, uh, the AGC of America, and um, they are putting on a national push uh, for mental uh, mental health awareness. Construction is one of those. I believe it's number two in the number of uh, suicides. Also, there you know issues. I think all industries have it, but you know there's an interest. Uh, a drug abuse component as well. So we are going to be uh, working with the Master Builders Association, which covers commercial construction in Western PA, and is also a member of AGC on additional efforts in, in the mental health. And and again, and, and the CAWP CARES programs, sort of like the tip of that iceberg, but certainly um, the stresses out there um, need to be addressed as well. And it's an amazing stat when you say that construction is one of the top two industries that are suffering from suicide or are the highest rates of suicide, because it's just something you don't think of. Very much to what you were talking about with the, with the CAWP CARES program, where it's just kind of raising awareness. Unfortunately, I've heard that stat multiple times, and every time I hear it, I'm just kind of like, wow, that's, a, that's just incredible to, to think about. But glad to hear that there are opportunities for not only you know associations that are recognizing it, but also opportunities to start to trickle that down to the f- the folks in the field as well as in the offices to to help alleviate some of those issues and ultimately encourage communication and, and conversation. Yep, and I think one other important point to point out there is that you know in Western PA and and even John in your area as well. I mean. We have a really good relationship with uh, the crafts, the unions, the laborers, the operators, the carpenters, cement finishers, and we're obviously not going to do that in a box. We're going to do it with in conjunction with them because it's important for them to, to, to they're out there pushing it to their own membership, but we're going to try to, what we try to do is look and say, okay, maybe the carpenters have a employee assistance program, so they have that covered, but what could we do? kind of over the whole of the industry uh, to fill in any holes because you certainly don't want any holes when uh, when people are hurting and, and and they need care and I think that from the at the at AGC's convention in March they talked about that when somebody does have a problem what do they do probably reach out to a family member probably the next biggest thing is to reach out to um, somebody at work. And, uh, you know, so you have to be prepared. We all have, you know, health insurance and I'm sure there's a number on the back of the card, but if, but the big thing is when you call that number, if somebody is in, in, in a world of hurt, you want to, you're hoping that whoever answers that call is the proper person to talk to and doesn't just, uh, hand it off to somebody else because the person needs the help now. So that's really what we're looking at is, there are a lot of great programs out there. The unions have great member, they call them member assistance programs. But what else can the industry do to ensure that if somebody does need something and they pick up the phone, that they're getting an answer and getting the help they need right away? That's great to hear. Great to hear. 
Well, Rich, I, I want to thank you as the co-host here with with John. I, I'd like to thank you for for joining us today, and I am very very certain that we will have you back on and start talking more about some of these issues because understanding your leadership capacity as, as well as your association's capacity to to lead that is is fantastic. So thank you for joining us and. We'll be talking soon. The one other thing that when we talk about infrastructure funding, too, on the state level, and John's probably tired of, he mentioned uh, various legislative meetings. He's probably heard this countless times. But one of the things that the public doesn't understand, too, is there was a significant state level funding in 2013, Act 89, of which uh, constructors and the unions partnered to try to get that passed, which it was passed. But one of the things is in the in the state of Pennsylvania, right now, $637 million of the motor license fund, which the motor license fund is what pays for the reconstruction uh, and rehabilitation of roads and bridges in PA, $673 million of that goes to the state police, which we're certainly not saying that the state police does not deserve the funding. They absolutely do. Uh, they need all the funding, you know, they can get. The question is, as my mother always says, you know, you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. And she gets mad when I ask her who's Peter and who's Paul. Um, I do know who they are. Don't worry. Casey's listening. But there's there's a lot of hard decisions that need to be made about, okay, we're, we're here and we're stuck in traffic and we're complaining about it. But should $673 million be going to fix the roads? And there should there be some other way? to finance the, the state police. So we are pushing in these budget negotiations right now on the state level to drop that number. It is going down, but we'd like to see it accelerated. Um, so we're looking and saying, hey, with the, the funding that was out there from COVID, all the COVID relief money, you know, what better way to utilize that money than to help fund the state police through the general fund and then free up that money in the motor license fund to pay for road and bridge uh, repair. And Rich, you are correct. I've heard that story hundreds of times. Yes. <laughs> I thought I thought you were, you were either going to talk about the state police or the Starbucks comment about, um, you know, the cup of co- the cup of uh, Starbucks coffee once a week or whatever, once a month or whatever could help fund all the bridges. People would just allocate that money. Well, <laughs> so being here on this with yeah. John, it, remind, it, it, it makes he because he's heard all that side. On the on the highway funding side, it feels like my kids when they go, "Dad, we told you told us that story." Yes, we know. Yes, we know you went to Yellowstone when you were in fifth grade. Yes, we know that, Dad. We know, you know that kind of. But that's how you. It's repetition, man. Repetition, repetition, repetition. Say it over and over again. But on a serious note, on a serious note, though, you are a, a great leader on this topic as far as funding bridges and highways. You do a great job there, and. And apprenticeship, you know, recruitment, safety, cares, you know, health, uh, you know, worker, uh, mental health. You know, you guys really step it up, CAWP, and just keep up the great work. And glad you could join us today. I got a great team uh, here, uh, Jason Koss, who handles uh, safety and and things like that, and everybody else here. We we uh, we enjoy doing that. Enjoy trying to move the ball forward and make you feel guilty about traveling through construction. So <laughs> that is one thing I've learned from my mother, even though it was just Father's Day, is that uh, guilt is a powerful it motivator. Is. 
Apparently, we need more of it, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Not from my mother to me, but in general. In general, right. Well, Rich, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Rich. Thank you. Thank you for joining the Building PA Podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.